I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Ideaspace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. Ideaspace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org slash connect. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. It's really kind of that hitch, like the hitch of try something different and give it a shot. Because if I don't do it now, I may never do it. And then I'm going to wake up like, you know, at 50 and say, I should have. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ron Sturbeet-Yong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share podcast. We finally got a guy that apparently I've met before in one of the fuck-up nights uh, many moons ago when... Literally, I remember the, the, that that night because it was on the rooftops, freezing out there. <laughs> By the way, it's cold and chilly. But in a startup ecosystem, there are uh, events like the Fuck Up Night by Impact Hub Manila. Where we talk about income clean, and literally, this was just after I lost Heart Party File and I was putting up my new business chatbot page. It wasn't acquired yet, uh, but I've met this guy apparently. But before I get carried away, let's welcome to the show. 
Mr. Mikel Cardoso of Cloud CFO. Hi, Ron. There you go. The cloud goes wild. <laughs> Mikel, thank you very much. And I'm, I love saying the name because I know I'm not butchering it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing just fine. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Because a lot of people would go, Mikael, Filipinas, you know, always. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or Miguel again, or something like that. Yeah. Correct. Correct. It's somewhere in between. And they, they do okay. it again. Mikael, thanks for being in the show. And we were very happy to have you here. But before I ask you a ton of questions, I have to miss to, to ask you the million dollar question. Mikael, what's your hustle? Hi, Ron. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm you know, honored to be on your show. I really like what you do. I think it's, 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 it's very welcome to have someone speak genuinely about the hustles of, of startups in the Philippines. Uh, so thanks for having me. Uh, my hustle, um, so my hustle is uh, Cloud CFO. We, uh, you know, our, our hustle is to empower um, SMEs and startups with, um, you know, uh, good value-added financial reports and help them navigate the mm-hmm. accounting and tax framework of the Philippines to empower them to make informed decisions for their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've been doing that for a few years now and, and it's been quite a, quite a journey and quite a venture. And um, yeah, I think Hustle is probably the first tool I would have picked if mm-hmm. uh, someone had asked me to describe how, how those years have been over the, over the past four years. Absolutely. And again, the importance of a CFO, I'm just having a CFO around in your team is, <laughs> is, is, is top notch. And it's funny because just a few episodes ago, literally a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, I've had a company or a couple of founders of Gigil, uh, yep. the one of the, the the agency of the year this year, and I, I specifically asked them, what if there's something that they were were to do differently on what they they've done, and they specifically said we would get a CFO or a finance guy. <laughs> Because you only find out about this, how important this is once you're ready in the war, where you're ready in the trenches and it's just going to, you know, give you a, a, a whiplash of like, oh my God, I don't know what this is, you know, and it's very, 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 very important. Yeah, I've heard that before. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Again, hindsight 2020, you don't exactly. know what you're missing until you're already there. But before we get carried away. Mikael, I need you to buckle up on our seven-seater time machine because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. Okay, we are back from where it all started because I need to understand before we became a CFO in the cloud, you know, watching all <laughs> over us, I need to understand how you how you grew up because, you know, Finance is something that I did not like growing up, but my 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 brain was only able to to uh, do uh, addition, subtraction, multiplication. Once I got to multiplication, that's the that's the that's the pinnacle of my brain in terms of math. But were you always a math whiz growing up? And how was how was your entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey uh, early on? Uh, yeah, thanks for taking me on the time machine. Um, it's, it's quite good as well for me to reflect on how, how did I get there? Like sometimes, you know, what Steve Jobs used to say, you can only connect the dots looking, looking backwards. Right. And, um, so let me try here. So I'm, I'm born in France. Uh, if you go all the way back and, you know, let's bring the time machine all the way back. I'm born in France, uh, Portuguese family. So, uh, you know, first generation immigrants. 
um, right oh, outside Portugal. Paris. Yes, yeah. My parents oh. are both Portuguese, and they moved to uh, France okay. uh, in their teens. And um, yeah, we lived right outside Paris in the suburbs of Paris, oh, and wow. um, had a you know had a good childhood. Um, mm -hmm. um, family hardworking, like usually the first generation immigrants are. Uh, and my dad was an entrepreneur from pretty much as, as oh. far as I remember. My dad, he tried his own thing. Okay. Uh, so he ran, he ran a, a, a small construction business um, in Paris and, okay. you know, got everything from the ground through hard work and sweat. Like my, my dad left school. He was a teenager in Portugal and, you know, worked hard to, to, to make it happen for his family. And um, so that's kind of, for me, the first um, entrepreneurial experience growing okay. up is, is seeing that you know, hard work pays off. And, and, um, and so that was, that was maybe one of the first examples mm -hmm. growing up, uh, to, to be honest, growing up, I didn't see it necessarily as a great thing because yeah. that meant my dad was away a lot and he was working hard and long hours and making it happen for us. But yeah, I, I thought like there's gotta be other ways and, you know, maybe it could be a little more here without, you know, without working this much, but that yeah. kind of influenced me. Um, and yeah, gro growing up, I think what, one thing I, I valued very young is independence. Like I wanted to be, you know, my own thing. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to be independent. Like I'd started working on town markets at 16 years old on the weekends wow. to collect money to kind of, you know, if I wanted to go to the cinemas, I, I could go with my own money without asking. And that's kind of how I started discovering, you know, working, working on weekends and, and, you know, doing sales and this kind of right, stuff. So right. I didn't have to, my, you know, my, my family was, you know, we were doing okay and my parents mm -hmm. could help me, but it was, I was just a stubborn kid that wanted to do it his own way. Right. And right. I think that's kind of probably those two things, um, are, are what brought me to, to being an entrepreneur, uh, later on in life is, mm -hmm. is the, the desire for independence and, right. and just for the hustle really, like mm -hmm. I do enjoy the hustle. Like I, you know, it's not, not, you know, some guys would say they'll do it for, you know, be a billionaire or the, the next yeah. Zuckerberg. Like I, I just enjoy the hustle eight days out of time, right. eight, eight days out of 10, sorry. And, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, that's, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's probably good. it. Yeah. And that's true because again, it, we're, we're, it's cut out differently. And we always say it's easy to be, to think that you can be an entrepreneur, but if it was so easy anyway, uh, how come there's so few of us? That are yep. cut cut differently like this. That we actually enjoy making it make our making our lives hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. we enjoy the struggle, right? That it's we're comfortable being in a position like, oh my god, this is so hard. But this yep. is our comfort zone being in there. Yep, I agree. I think uh, it's exactly you know like the two days out of ten, um, you do ask yourself, why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> but you know, for so long as the balance is eight eight against two, I think it's worth right. the fight. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, now I understand. Now be, again, we, we have an affinity for hustle and yeah. struggle is is part of life. We understood that from from uh the early stage because you also saw it from your father. But when was the official time that you be you had your your job per se? And at least before you had your job, was there a turning point while you were in university that really uh, opened your eyes towards a certain uh, field that you th you think you can really do? Um. Okay. I I might be controversial here, but mm -hmm. not really. I kind of okay. I was I was a pretty good student, but I didn't really. Uh, you know, strive too hard to be kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, like I just did what I had to do to keep going. And I, I went to business school in Paris where um, that was, that was instrumental in my life for, mm -hmm. because that's where I met my wife who later on kind of there brought me to the Philippines. Right. 
Um, and um, so I kind of finance was to me a decision to go into finance and study finance. I did like it. I did enjoy it. I didn't like math during my earlier yeah. years <laughs> because I couldn't connect it. Same. But once, yeah, once I started connecting that, like once you put a number and like, like how biz, our finance links business and math together, that clicked for me. It was like, now nah, that I understand. Correct. Like it's a, it's a, it's a real interpretation of mathematical issues. And that I started understanding and I started liking mm -hmm. it. But I went to finance because it was kind of like, it was the hot thing at the time. Um, and that was pre-global financial crisis. Um, and uh, um, I did enjoy it. And then mm -hmm. from my, um, uh, I did a bachelor degree in Paris in a business school. Okay. And then I wanted to go abroad. So I did oh. my MBA, I did my master's in Sydney in Australia. So Wow. That's um, from the other side of the world. Exactly. In the dirt, um, dirt of south right there. <laughs> And uh, that was that was almost like a, a desire. I was like, if I have to okay. do something abroad, like, okay. I don't want to go to London or like you know Madrid. I want to go as far as I can and put myself outside of my comfort zone. Wow! Uh, and that's that's kind of yeah. So that brought me to Australia for about uh, two years almost, mm -hmm. and from there moved to the Philippines. So I met my now wife and at the time girlfriend uh, in college and in Paris. Uh, mm -hmm. She's half French, half Filipina, and um, wow. so after my my masters. It was literally like after the the financial crisis, Europe, you know, there are not many opportunities and jobs out there. Mm -hmm. uh, Australia was hard to get like, you know, working rights as a, as a young mm -hmm. student uh, after graduating mm -hmm. and came here for a trip and met, uh, met a few people that I found very interesting and they were mm -hmm. doing very cool stuff and, and they work in very interesting companies. They gave me an opportunity to come and work here. Okay. Um, and I took it. And that's kind of how my corporate career started after my that master's. Uh, here in here in Manila. Okay, now again coming from France to see Sydney. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've 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 had multiple uh, expats here uh, yeah. on the show, and they have their own version of how they've fallen in love to a certain country and decided to stay put. Uh, two questions here. I wanted to ask what what's about the Philippines that made you stay? Because again, it's easy to just jump around from place to place and find work, right? If if you find a, a good opportunity for you to stay put. But for you to stay long, there's something about that country that makes you stay. And what was the biggest adjustment for you when you decided to work there, uh, here in the Philippines? So this has evolved for me. Um, when I came here first as, a, as an employee for a large a multinational, yeah. um, it was the job. It was, it, was, it was very interesting for me. It was super exciting. I was spending half of my time here, half of my time traveling through South America for, for the work. Wow. And, um, that was that was really fun and exciting, mm -hmm. and as a first job out of my out of university, that was mm -hmm. uh, a great experience. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't say I enjoy my time too much um, here, like you know, mm -hmm. cultural shock and like the hustle of Manila and like the, the concrete jungle type. <laughs> uh, the first the first few year was was a bit tough, and then it just got under my skin. I just kind of like started growing on me, mm -hmm. uh, and and. So throughout my uh, work, so I work with a company called ICTSI. I don't know if you know about that. Yep, They're yep. port operators, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I traveled quite a bit over six years with them and went from different jobs. Uh, interestingly enough, my last job with them brought me back to Australia. So I work, mm -hmm. uh, I work with their finance director in Melbourne. Okay. And that's when I decided, look, uh, you know, 
I miss Manila. Like Melbourne is just too awesome for me. Like everything works. <laughs> everything is great. Uh, right, you know, right. I would probably enjoy this when I'm in my fifties and like have a Labrador yeah. and two dogs, uh, two dogs <laughs> and two kids. Right. Uh, but I miss the rawness and the excitement of, of Manila, the, the, the market, like the, the growth, the, yeah. the young population, like, a lot of things to do, a lot of things there are still to create a lot of opportunities. And that's what drove me back. So mm -hmm. the first six years were a bit, um, the job kept me here and I started really liking it after a while. And then I really like, no, I miss it. I want to go back there and I want to, I want to see where it brings me. Um, and, and the last thing is, you know, uh, it might sound a bit cliche, but it's people like, you know, they're fantastic. Like, you know, they're, they're friendly, they're nice. They can, you know, they're resilient. They can take a punch and, and keep smiling. Um, right. and I was, yeah, that's something I, I really enjoyed being mm -hmm. around. Like, I, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that was, that was a great experience. I have, I have a, I'll, I'll digress a little bit because sure. I just found out about this, um, yeah. like a couple of years ago through pitching Coca-Cola and I found something really interesting that the Philippines is more South American than Asian. That they call they, in Coca-Cola, they even call it Coca-Cola FEMSA. You know, the Hispanic countries, you know, South America, they're they're heavy Coke drinkers. Not Coke snorters, okay? Coke drinkers. <laughs> Coke drinkers. And in the rest of Southeast Asia, they're tea, you know, and but the culture is again be Christianity, Catholicism. You know, it's very similar to South yeah. America. Can you shed light? Because is that something that made you feel home? Because if, from a Portuguese family, you know, a lot of those values can trickle down. It's like, oh my God, this this feels like home. It in a way, yes, it's right. Okay. You're right. Like the you know the obviously the you know it's 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 a Catholic country. Yeah. Uh, the Spanish heritage. Um, yeah. Uh, the Western is, you know, Westernization through mm. the American presence. After that, yeah. so you're you're entirely correct. When I when I travel through uh, through South America, I remember spending time in Mexico, and I was like, this is just like Manila. Like people, like, you know, <laughs> it just feels like, you know, and the yeah. names are the same, right? One right. The and They're like, brown <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, I'm I'm okay. Everybody yeah, said, I'm exactly. <laughs> Fair game. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. So um, yeah, maybe I, I didn't really kind of see the connection, but uh, one thing that helped as well is my mm -hmm. uh, my wife's family is here, so mm -hmm. it did feel like you know we we have our, we have family here and extended yeah. family, and and it just felt a bit back home. Like back home, you're you're correct. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like in Portugal, maybe um, slightly different, but yeah, South America and the Latin heritage. Yeah, the the values, some core values are very similar. Correct. Feisty women all the time. Right? They're <laughs> very too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now before we take our first break, when you were in Melbourne, I, I just want to uh, go through this ICTSI and, uh, and, and Melbourne, you know, your last yeah. job before you decided to take a plunge. Was there specific skill sets that you mastered that helped you think of Cloud CFO before you took the jump? Yes, and maybe before Melbourne even. Um, so okay. what led me to Melbourne is uh, I did I did a few experiences with ICTSI and I you know I, I did enjoy working for them like their entrepreneurial in spirit like they you know I was a young guy and I was willing to take risks and put myself out there and they gave me chances uh, for me to prove what I could do. So just the spirit of the company like you know risk takers and most often than not it pays out. Um, that that was a great environment to be in. 
Before going to Melbourne, I was actually part of the acquisition team in, in Asia Pacific. Oh. Uh, so what we did is we went out and looked okay. for projects to acquire. So either mm. government projects that were being tendered out or mm. existing port facilities, private port facilities that we could acquire to expand our portfolio. And that was a fantastic experience because it, it has an M&A side to it because you're, you're looking at businesses to acquire them, look at financial mm. vi viabilities for those businesses. And I did carry that experience with me uh, into mm. Cloud CFO. Um, but, uh, and then so in Australia, we, we had to bid for a large project in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, and I was I was one of the uh, you know one um, one of the members for that team, and um, so that was that was a fantastic experience. I was like thirty years old, and we had to think how can a Filipino company um, acquire such a strategic asset and such a large investment in a country like Australia and a place like Melbourne, where we're competing with you know Hong Kong ports, Australian yep. companies, French companies. And um, you know we worked really hard at it. We we took like every possible angle to uh, to you know to be competitive in our approach and we won we won the we won the tender so you mm -hmm. know there is a filipino asset in in um in, in australia wow and after that they asked me to stay in melbourne and become the cfo for for that project mm -hmm. uh from scratch so it was pretty much almost an entrepreneurial venture like you bid yeah. out for a project it's a, it's uh you know they call them brownfield projects it's you have to build everything from scratch mm -hmm. bring in equipment it systems hire people and yeah, I was employee 001 for, for the venture. Wow. Um, and that's kind of, that's, I enjoy the experience. It was a fantastic journey, but I also started tickling, tickling my entrepreneurial instincts. I was like, yes. I enjoy this, but I'm still doing it with the umbrella of a corporation. Correct. Um, like it's a lot more comfortable. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. than yep, putting absolutely. Your back the paycheck's going to be nice for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, um, and but it's kind of like it, you know. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur sometime in my life, and mm -hmm. um, it empowered me to think like I can do it. Like you know, I've, I've you know I've worked hard for these guys. I probably mm -hmm. can do it on my own. Let's go and do it. And um, so that's kind of like the personal takeaways and and the, the hard skills. Yes, I did learn about financial modeling. I learned about the importance of understanding understanding mm -hmm. your tax framework because mm -hmm. you know when you bid such large investments, you need to know how you can get a return after mm. taxes uh, and all of Correct. these things. So there, there's a lot of hard skills I acquired through it, aside from my um, school education. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think really the main thing is it showed me that I could, uh, you know, like be an entrepreneur, be part of an entrepreneurial venture uh, mm. and start from scratch. All right. That's amazing. But before we now talk about how you went to the cloud from a, being a physical <laughs> CFO to a cloud CFO. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCon PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Mikhail Cardoso, of course, of Cloud CFO, who was once a physical CFO in a company and decided to go all the way up in heaven and be a CFO among the clouds. Just kidding. But all right, so um, I want to now understand. You, you mentioned prior to the week that you are now starting to to feel that spider sense of being an entrepreneur. What pushed you over the top? Because most people who are sitting comfortably in corporate don't, they feel that too, but they don't pull the trigger. What made you pull the trigger and what, what, what was, what did you have to overcome to jump off the cliff and create your own startup? Uh, Fear. Very simply put, like, um, I'd love to say I had a big bang idea waking up or drinking coffee and I thought, oh, Cloud CFO is here. I have it in my head and I, and this is what I want. I'm going to do. That's not true. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, we started talking earlier about the notion of discomfort and that's the comfort zone. Yeah. Um, as much as I enjoyed my corporate career, I started feeling comfortable. Mm. I started like, ah, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, we live in Melbourne. We, you know, we, we do have a, we have, we're, the company treats us well. And, and it just felt like, ah, oh, this is the corporate route now. And, yeah. you know, uh, you know, once you get to a certain age and you think like, ah, oh, once I have kids and I have a mortgage and all these things, I might going to put my back against the wall at that point. Yeah. And it's really kind of that hitch, like the hitch of try something different and give it a shot. Because if I don't do it now, I may never do it. And then I'm not going to wake up like, you know, at 50 and say that oh, I should have. <laughs> um, and I'd love to say I had a concrete plan and concrete idea, but I didn't. Like, I just, I just called my, my boss in Manila and say, look, you know, um, I have a few ideas and I, I'm going to venture out on my own. Like, uh, I could have taken my family business to um, Asia and to kind of uh, like right. what they do to Asia and Middle East. That was one avenue. And I just, yeah, we packed up our bags and, and came back to Manila. Um, I did some consultancy at the beginning to kind of see where this was going to lead me. And that's how this started really is um, coming back. Like some guys that I knew run startups here 
uh, started telling me, oh, can you look at my books? Like, can you help me out? I'm about to go through a DD for a series A round and wow. I am like, they're going to tear us apart. Can you come and help out? Correct. Um, so I was kind of, I had a few hints and I kind of knew what I wanted, but I didn't have a clear vision just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the BPO aspect. I like the outsourcing aspect. I like, I like mm-hmm. kind of the, that market, but yeah. I thought it was a bit overdone and I wanted to do something a bit different. Uh, yeah. I didn't really know how. Um, and so cloud CFO initially could have gone outside, could have been focused on like Australia. Cause I did have that experience in Australia. Yeah, and you had the network accounting, Yeah. And, and the accounting services in Australia are really expensive. Like, you know, right. the, the salaries differentials are, are not even close, enormous, yeah. huge. Right. Uh, so that was an avenue and, and you do have the competitive edge, mm-hmm. but then talking to people back in Manila, it's only like. Mike, I'm struggling. I, you know, I can't. I've, I've hired like five accountants. Um, I've I've tried two different outsourced accounting firms, and I still can't get it to work as I want it to work. Uh, can you come and help out? And that's how it started. And when I started realizing that the local market was ready for for more technology driven services and for kind of embark into a more uh, progressive uh, value proposition for SMEs and startups. Mm-hmm. That's when I said, like, let's try this out. Like, I think there was a moment where I said, yes, that's it. Like, yeah. it, it's not when I left my corporate job, but there was a moment in 2015 where I was like, wow. no, I, I, this is it. Like, we are going to be the first cloud financial and accounting service providers for this market um, mm-hmm. because there's a gap and there is a need. Uh, and that's kind of how cloud CFO started. And the gap is huge. It's the size of the Pacific Ocean. To be <laughs> from from the Bay of the Philippines all the way to Chile. That is as big as that. Because here's the thing. I'll just come clean a little bit. All right. So basic things like, all right, you're your startup. You want to start pitching, you know, you want to be like the Netflix uh, startup guy. You know, like you think that the idea happens. People can prepare for it. And there's a lot of YouTube videos that can prepare you to pitch, get an in- investor interested. And then once they get someone in- interested, this is where they drop the ball. Mm. The investor would always ask, can I see your PNL? Right? It's like, what, uh, uh, what is a PNL? Huh? What is a PNL? <laughs> they, they, they're caught with their pants. Basic things like this. I yeah. had to learn. I was fortunate because two things. I my, my former investor, my first startup, Kickstart Ventures, their CEO, yeah. shout out to you, Dan Tiazon, literally taught me the ropes of how to yeah. stitch up, but it wasn't uh, CFO level stuff. There's still a lot yeah. of holes into that because typically uh, a raw startup founder would just put random numbers in there and say that yeah we'll be a one million dollar company in two years what the hell that's not realistic and you can already smell that from afar that's why they dropped the ball second thing i was fortunate now in podcast network asia that we have uh we call him saint our saint we call him saint mike Tan. Uh, uh it's, it's, it's weird i think all the good cfos are named mike it's weird we have our own mike and he helps us out and my god from our PNL, tax, everything that I need to see. It's make it's easy to make decisions yep. when you have the right numbers in front of you because yep. they never lie. They're not biased, and they yep. give you the cold hard truth. Now, from you, what was those gaps that you saw again from the whole Pacific Asian that that the startups or the SMEs here lacked? 
Um, so I, I actually, I know the Philippines market is as its own particularities and own challenges, but I think it's almost a global phenomenon where mm. accounting services and then, you know, obviously like CFO services or rent to CFO services is part of what we do, but it's not the bulk of what we do. What we do is actually run your books correctly, pay your taxes correctly, run your yeah. payroll correctly, give you a financial report on a monthly basis with PNL and a balance sheet. So, you know, entrepreneurs crash their heads when they talk yeah. about PNL. Like when you bring the balance sheet, <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. Um, and and, and the that's what that, Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that they know because they know how much money there's in bank. Like they don't call yeah. it cash flow statement, but they kind of look but at it. I, I swear to God, if you ask a lot of rookie entrepreneurs, like, oh, where, that's what I spent it on. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know, like, oh, that's why I only have such a low runway because I spent it on stuff that I shouldn't have spent it on, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, it's the the technology and and the innovation on the field of like um, accounting and services and digital payments creates an ecosystem that if you kind of stitch it all up together with the right service and the right people behind it, you can create a very efficient uh, and very added value service at an affordable cost. Because this, you know, this kind of stuff is usually kind of multinational stuff. Like, I, you know, a big firm. Like, yep. I want to have a PNL. I want to have balance sheet. I want to have KPIs and ratios. My dad himself just knew if he made money at the end of the year when his accountant came for a visit. To me, even growing up, I was like, how do you not know? Like, obviously, you know, you're making some money because you have money in the bank. But how do you not know if this year is better than the last one? Like, you're running a business. How? How is that not something that accountants or financial advisors provide to SMEs de facto? Right. And w when I, you know, working for a large multinational where we really like process and systems and everything kind of like, yeah, you close your books on the fifth and, and everything is accurate. Yeah. I started thinking this, this technology revolution has to enable SMEs to do it just as efficiently, as accurately, and as, at, as time, that timely, much cheaper. Uh, you know, implementing SAP would cost you a few hundred thousand dollars for, for a large company. Yeah. Implementing Zero or QuickBooks Online will cost you 20 bucks yeah. uh, a month, right? And and that's kind of, that's where we started seeing that there's got, there's something to do here. And not mm -hmm. just in the Philippines, it's something we could export if we, if we start really scaling this up. Because mm -hmm. uh, the demand and need is here, right? If you run, a, I mean, you know, you run and you, you've run a few, um, a few ventures yourself and mm -hmm. just having that information as as a lot of potential and value yeah. uh, and the, the hardest part for us was operationalizing it so all the all pieces right. were there they're fantastic accounts and financial experts in this country mm -hmm. um the tech is available businesses need it because they're running their books on excel like for like you know multi-million dollar <laughs> companies you know running their financials on and they're excel. printed on paper what the <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh and um so we were oh, like man. stitching these pieces together was the challenge for us. Like the demand, as you say, like the, the, the gap was as big as the Pacific Ocean is yeah. being able to deliver on the value proposition that, that was the, the thing we, we, we wanted to test initially. Mm -hmm. And, and it, 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 one of the, correct me if I'm wrong, um, one of the bigger problems is that SMEs, yeah, they, they know they're making money and they created bad habits along the way. And they literally specifically call it. I remember my co-founder telling me once that, Ron, we can't run this business like a mom and pop. Where, you know, your your business is also the same uh, shit where you pay your personal bills from and there's no <laughs> clear line of distinction. And But because if you're, you're making money, 
your your mindset is like, oh yeah, this is okay, you know. Yep. But that's also what's hindering you from going to scale bigger yep. because it's all your 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 finances are all messed up. Yep, and I think the competitive pressure of the market also has changed that. Um, and this is something we see in some industries. We we historically we we have quite a few clients in the F and B bar um, mm-hmm. industry, and I'd say 10, 15 years ago there's not that many competition. So if right. you had a good restaurant, like your margins were healthy enough, so you don't need to know if your food cost is thirty percent or thirty five percent. Doesn't really matter. Five percent is not going to break the bank. Correct. Once comp- once competition starts building up, and yeah. your you know rents gets more expensive, labor costs gets more expensive, your margins get thinner. Your margin for error is now like is now relevant. Yeah. Like five percent difference will make the difference between you being successful or you failing, and that's where kind of that also changed the ecosystem. And this is kind of like one of the hypotheses we wanted to try when when I started mm-hmm. talking to to people about doing cloud CFO for the Philippines market. They said you're nuts. Like this market's not really ready for this. Like everything yeah. is a bit old school, and people kind of like it that way. And he said, no, there, there is a need for it. They're like first tech startups were also kind of at the infant stage, like the whole ecosystem was just starting. Yeah. Um, and, and just even mature businesses started to understand they needed to professionalize that aspect of their business, which mm. typically they just left. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I have money in the bank. I'm doing well. And that, yeah. that's changed, I think, over the past five to 10 years. That's great. Mm. But again, there's still more of them. Who need no, to yeah. snap out of that slump, <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh, you can't run yeah. it like a mom and pop at yeah. all. Now, um, I'm curious how you built the team because you have, you have quite a sizable team and how you built uh, the team that allowed you to, again, the tech talent you said was there, the financial talent was there, but you had to stitch that all up into one company to make it a, a machine. How did you yep. do that? Um, that's probably the hardest thing I've had to do. There, uh, we have a fantastic team. We have great people. I'm, I'm so proud of you know what they do and how they mm-hmm. embark with the vision and kind of like change our mindsets as well. And and I'll, I'll go I'll go a bit more into, into that right sure. after. Is um, this was one of the biggest challenge because kind of like uh, and I don't know if it's something you experience or some of your other guests would experience. It's like once I got that big bang moment, it's like no, right, we're gonna do it for this market. This is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna bring young and smart people who see what we're trying to achieve bring the tech and kind of like, you know, stitch this all up into a unique value proposition. Mm-hmm. I was like, this makes so much sense to me, but it doesn't mean it makes sense for everyone. And like, mm-hmm. you have guys coming in for job interviews and you're, you know, you just got an office and like there's two of us, like, why am I not going to go to SGV like Ersten Young Correct. and work for Correct. you guys? Right. And Correct. that was one of the hardest things. And my entrepreneurial kind of, um, uh, approach to like work hard and things will pay out and you know and and that was my kind of old school i'm a millennial still but i kind of yeah. consider myself an old school one where yeah you know grind first and then the rewards will come yeah, the gen x way of doing things <laughs> right. yeah and and so i thought like oh people are going to see it right and they're going to jump along and do it with us and they're going to believe in the vision and they, some did but it was hard like the the job market is extremely competitive in this segment. Right. Like we, you know, we're fighting against BPOs who, who sell services abroad. We're fighting against the top, you know, the top four audit firms, all the accounting firms, mm-hmm. all the all the firms that need in-house accountants. So it's super competitive. Yeah. That's probably the thing I underestimated the most. Um, mm-hmm. And it was try and error, and and yeah. it was selling the vision. It was um, you know getting them to see what we were delivering and how we were right. doing things. That really is how um, how we were able to scale. 
and it got better. Um, and the best thing I have done, like you were talking about not hiring a CFO, um, not hiring an HR soon enough was my first mistake. I was like, no, I got this. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the interviews <laughs> and like, and yeah. no, nah, that was a mistake. I, yeah. I learned that very, very quickly. Same. You know, uh, you think it's so fun when you're a first time entrepreneur, it's so fun doing the interviews, mm. but after your 10th, like what the fuck, this is like groundhog day. <laughs> right. And you're, you're going to, you can already tell if someone's going to be worth your time or not in the first five minutes. Yeah. And if you have to go through the whole set of fucking interviews <laughs> and you don't have an HR to help you buffer that out. Yep. My goodness. My, my, my mind is already like, Oh my God, this guy's like not, not going to make it. What, what yeah. am I, what's, what's for payroll tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> thinking about all these things, right? Yeah. You'll space out. That's correct. But again, if you pro tip, do this financials first, make sure you can afford an HR. If not, find, exactly. a, find, find a guy <laughs> that, uh, who can help you out with it. Because yep. numbers don't lie. Now, what about the tech side, Mike? Um, did you? How did you fill that that gap out? So we actually, I mean, we are a service company, right? We yeah. our, our our main model is a proven model. We we have uh, retainers, and you know, yeah. our unit economics are, are fairly predictable and known. Like, so we're not a, a tech startup in that sense. Mm-hmm. But we do, we did build tech, and we're mm-hmm. still building tech. Nice. Um, and then um, so. A lot, not not accounting tools. We use zero. We use QuickBooks Online. We use different tools um, that are part of the ecosystem here because mm-hmm. they're affordable, they're super efficient, and yeah. trying to replicate them will cost us millions of dollars, which mm-hmm. we don't need to spend. Absolutely. Where where we did see a need, and where that became part of the cloud CFO value proposition, and actually it was part of since the beginning, but it just took yeah. us time to build that tech because mm-hmm. uh, we bootstrap everything. Right. Um, a lot of you know, being successful in what we do and being able to deliver in our value proposition was enabled through process. Mm. It's not, it's it's not about, I don't know how you experience it with with Mike, your CFO, but it's not just about knowing what the tax um, rules are or how accounting treatment is versus transaction. He's being able to integrate that knowledge with how your business operates, how your sales team operates, how do you recognize sales, how do you book inventory? So, it's 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 a our value proposition and where we different from other accounting firms is we go deep into your operations and we work for years into building a good onboarding process where we obviously can't spend four months onboarding a client so we had Correct. to be able to do it over like say two or three meetings of one hour mm-hmm. and and processize everything mm-hmm. we built our own tech to support that processization so we have kind of a client interface app um where we would agree first on a, on a process with you guys and say like uh, you know run um i need to get your invoices from your suppliers on a weekly yep. basis and or your admin would do it and we create tasks like uh, kind of a tax management system so we we try to use third parties but we always found a gap in right. what they could offer and what we could customize and not so we decided let's build our own so the cloud CFO ex- experience is you have a you have a you have an app a web application. We, we we're gonna work on the mobile version this uh, this year, mm-hmm. where um, you're reminded like hey your your VAT is due in five days. Don't yeah. forget send me your receipts. And so instead of us constantly following in by emails and people forgetting, yeah. like you have a you have your CFO online that's constantly re- you know repeating yeah, what nice. you need to do for things to flow, mm-hmm. and that's made a big difference in being able to deliver the value proposition. Because if you um, overlook that, that as a price, literally the penalties are not pretty. 
Right? Yeah, again, exactly. You know, because if you miss that deadline, dude, you don't, you have no idea, especially if you're just yep. totally naive. But if someone's actually like there, the, like a voice in your head, like, oh my God, you're about this is going to be here. Uh, you know, yeah. and you can predict that, by the way. This is not like a, a random uh, out of nowhere punch because yeah. there's cycles on it. But if someone is there to remind you, my goodness. And it's exactly what it does. It's a cycle. We create uh, we create that financial closing cycle and everything. Mm-hmm. So we decipher your business with you first and then create that s- those cycles from the income, payables, taxes, payroll. Okay. And we allocate tasks among yourselves. Um, so yeah. our clients actually get work, right? So sometimes they ask me like, mm-hmm. wait, hang on, I'm paying you guys to do stuff. Like, why are you giving me all this work? It's like, no, because we need it. Like, we need you, <laughs> we need you to send your invoice. Cooperation you is what's needed exactly, to, exactly. for this to work. Right. And and once it's set up, then it it runs perfectly. It's it's a lot easier for us to operationalize it, a lot more predictable for our team to kind of manage their time and their workflow. And that's that has been the, the central piece in, in, in our model. That's amazing. Now, all right, let's take our second break and our last yeah. break. And when we come back, let's talk about paying it forward financially yeah. because everybody needs this. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. 
So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We're still. With Mike, okay, I'll call you Mike, okay, this time because we're the fastest ones we call Michael, Michael, uh, uh, Cardoso, of course, of Cloud CFO. But uh, Mike, I want to, I want to now know, right? Just like numbers, there are patterns of common things that startups and SMEs usually make with their finances, right? That that you see it everywhere, whether regardless of size. What do you think those are? And uh, how can you guys help out? I guess, or let's just itemize these these things. Because of course, I know the solution yeah. is cloud TFO. But what are those <laughs> uh, things that they usually make? Um, so I think I mean we kind of touched on it a bit, and you you shared your own experiences. Like mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneurs, when they were starting off, they like, nah, I'm gonna grow my sales. I'm gonna grow my. I'm gonna invest in my platform, and I'm gonna get customers in. I'm gonna make money. And like, you know what, all of those backend systems and the accountants just, right. yeah, the accountant's a guy where I just drop a bunch of receipts on and he deals with it. That's <laughs> the first mistake. Um, you in, uh, especially in the market like the Philippines where the compliance demand is fairly high. Um, we're one of the most demanding um, tax and, and accounting frameworks in, in, in Asia and maybe even in the world. Wow. And if you discount that entirely, by the time you wake up to it, uh, the bill could be expensive. It could cost you funding. It could cost you, um, you know, like a discount on your funding round if you get funded, um, tax penalties, or just a huge mess to have to clean up. And so, yes, obviously, don't prioritize if you've got, I don't know, $100,000 or pesos to start your business. Don't spend 90% of it in your back end because yeah. then you don't have a business to stand on. But don't totally discount it. And that's that's one of the first mistakes. It, it will cost you dearly by the time you, you open your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second one would be that, uh, kind of associated to that is uh, some entrepreneurs want to have the right information from their accounting provider or even their, their in-house accounting team. 
right? But they kind of, they, when we talked about earlier about process, they don't go that extra mile. They don't, they, they, you know, they, they don't really go into like, oh, the accountant will figure it out. No, like you need to tell your ops team that they need to do that kind of like count that that report needs to come from your platform and needs to be reconciled with accounting. So accounting is not the guy with the glasses sitting at the back of the office. (laughs) He should, he should interface with all your operations, especially in tech, right? If we're talking about startups and, and, Mm -hmm. and I know it's a lot of your audience, Right. Um, you're talking about a business model that needs to go from a few transactions a day to thousands. Correct. And if you think your account in the back is just going to look at the thousand transactions one by one and get it right, no, you need to make sure when you build your platform, uh, the way you look at your, the way you get paid, how you treat taxes mm-hmm. at the moment of payment, all of that needs to be studied and reviewed. And, and it's, it's not just the tail end. It is part of your business. It needs Correct. to be integrated into how you make decisions in the front end. Yeah, because with them, you can now properly model out how the patterns would look like. Because here's the thing. You need to let or position your startup aside from it servicing your customer, you know, solving the problem, making it easy for you to see things in the data, but it also need to mirror it financially so you can mirror out how many units of X will you get to Y. Are you actually losing per transaction? Are yep. your customer acquisition costs even at realistic, yep. or are you are you burning so much cash? How at, up till when will you have cash? Yep. These little things are easy to make. You're you're, you're gonna have easy uh, decisions to make when you model that out. And in order for you to get that, you need to set up your CFO or whoever your finance <laughs> guy for success. Yep. they're not yeah. janitors who's gonna clean up your mess. You need yep. to set them up. If it's cloud CFO, you need to integrate and set those properly. Uh, there, there, that relationship and 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 yep. things right at the get go, so that yep. when it runs, it's magic. And and it scales. Like we talk about right. scalability, right? If we define the right processes, the right input output relationship, and the right controls, right? So think about like talk about tech startups who who have thousands of transactions with different payment gateways. How do you know that the amount delivered to you day plus three by your payment gateway partner is exactly what should be from your sales or your Shopify or or whatever you use, right? Correct. So all of those controls need to be really kind of thorough. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's what, you know, doing a bit of a sales pitch for Cloud Chef, well, that's what we do. We don't just Mm -hmm. sit and say, wait for the invoices. If some controls are lacking, if some visibility between the front end and back end is not accurate we will work with uh, with our customer to define the right controls and and, and get sh- make sure that all of that trickles down right our our model is transaction based um so you know we we, we, wow. we have we have, uh, we have um, monthly retainers we don't have lock-in periods but it's accounting transactions right how many transactions we'll make in a system for a tech company if you're selling i don't know you're selling on the zada you have thousands of mm-hmm. transactions we don't want to make one entry per transaction. We want to get a sales summary for a period, cool. rely on it, know that the cash received is going to match that. So it's one transaction instead of being a thousand. But mm-hmm. this is only doable if you really integrate our processes properly. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's pay for it. Let's, let's, yeah. let's talk about se- several scenarios that would need yeah. financial intervention. <laughs> not just advice, intervention. <laughs> so that they don't make, again, I only know the mistakes now. Yep. Because Saint Mike, our Mike, 
as, as, as showed me how bit of a how much of an idiot I was for the past eight nine years uh, yeah. running my startup. It's not just pure hustle. You need to be number savvy. Now, if you yeah. don't have the ability to be savvy, get someone or get a yeah. company like Cloud CFO yeah. that will allow you to get that done. But Mike, I, I have a question for 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 startups raising funding. Yeah. Again, PNL and all. Yeah. What would be your advice when they're out there? They have the pitch deck ready. They have some in, investors ready. What would be your advice for people doing their financials for it to look credible and they're not they're not gonna look like idiots when they give it to an investor? Okay, uh, that's a, that's a tough question because I I do get asked uh, by different uh, founders how how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, your 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 financials should should paint your story, and this is something that's always surprises me. When sometimes I'm you know I'm, I'm part of pitching uh, competitions, or some people come for like tutoring or mentoring uh, on the finance side, is their commercial pitch deck is fantastic. They understand the concept of unit economics when they look at it from a commercial perspective. They you know they the whole storyline the the unique value propositions there. And then when you come to financials, it's totally dissociated from what we just talked about. Yes. And, and, and that's, I'm laughing because that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of like, I, I, I don't know if it's kind of the, the, once you look at numbers, like some entrepreneurs will tend to say, ah, oh, shit. Like, yeah, you, you kind of, it's not, it's just like, it should just paint the story you've told me up until this point. Right. Uh, and make sure it's coherent and consistent. The way you look at unit economics commercially should be the same on your PNL. Like, make sure your direct cost, um, you know, uh, in- integrates the the cost of acquisition and all of mm-hmm. these things. Which commercially you knew, but then when you show me your PNL, it's nowhere to be found, or it's not. It's 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 <laughs> like not a lot. <laughs> exactly right, and um, and that's unfortunately sometimes where they drop the ball, and and because investors. I mean, based on my experience, investors will get interested by your pitch, Correct. but they only write the check if the whole storyline adds up and they believe in the whole storyline. And that's kind of, you know, it's, it's sometimes unfortunate to drop the ball just because like, you know, your PNL was intimidating and just like, nah, this looks okay. Like cash in, cash right. out. And they want to ask mm-hmm. more than that. Um, so yeah, get the right advice. And Mostly, just make sure the story is coherent. That that's right. really it. Um, and you know, simple things like, uh, oh, I'm trying to raise hundred thousand dollars because that's what I need for three months. No, that's not exciting. <laughs> for you know, just <laughs> what tell me why three months. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, like I mean, I've had wow. I've had cases like this where people tell you, why do you raise uh, I don't know a million? Right. Well, because based on my math, that's what I need for six months or a year. No, that's not exciting me. I'm not gonna write you a check of a million dollars. You need to sell me on your on your journey, like, right. um, and and so they're they're common kind of errors that happen. But then I think as you as you experience it more and more, you kind of learn and and um, correct and find the right answers, right? And mm-hmm. and hopefully find the right partners to help you out. I mean, there's great mentorship programs. Uh, we obviously mm-hmm. can help as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, don't uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, but if that's you as a listener idea. made it this far. Please, please, and you're about to pitch and you have a startup, take a long, hard look at, at your financials, your P&L, whatever, that, whatever you have, and ask, is it, is it, does it make sense? <laughs> and if it doesn't make sense, if you're, you're, if it, it, and show it to a proper financial person or someone who doesn't even understand your business without a pitch deck, 
if it makes sense because of the shit that you told, said them, then great. If not, I'm sorry. I'm going to burst your bubble right now. You need to work on that yeah. because that can make or break that amazing pitch if you do the yeah. amazing pitch and you drop the ball. And most of the time, the legit big checks that you want, the institutional VCs that you want, won't even care about your pitch deck at all. They're going to look mm-hmm. at your team, your traction, yeah. your revenue model, your tech, and most importantly, they're going to look at your financials. What have you done previously and what are you going to do moving forward? And and another thing, right, is the all the financial models predict that every company is going to be like a $10 million company. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and... <laughs> and uh, and I, I mean, I'm not an investor, but I, you know, I've, I've worked in, in M&A for a while and I've advised some startups. It's like all, all of them have that pitch. Right? Everybody's a unicorn. In, exactly. In book, right. What, what you need to test is the coherence of your story. Like they're trying to see if what you're saying makes sense, because if it mm-hmm. makes sense, you at least understand the intricacies between your business, the unit economics, how financially this impacts you, how much money you need to raise. Mm-hmm. If you have a coherent pitch, you right. are already above, like, you know, the majority percent of everybody exactly. that pitches because right. they all know, like, everyone has a ten million dollar business or a hundred million or a billion, if you want. <laughs> uh, but it, they're testing oh, you as a, as a founder, and and do you understand the intricacies of of all the aspects of your business? Again, guys, I'm not laughing at people. I'm laughing at myself <laughs> because that was me when I was younger. <laughs> Everybody is a unicorn in their book. And I thought I was I had three unicorns with me. But again, reality bites and slaps you in the ass in the form of financial. So now I know better, right? Uh, surround yourself with people that cover your ass for your weaknesses, especially in numbers. If you're not, you don't have a numbers guy in your team, look long and hard to fill up that gap. Because somehow, some way, it will bite you in the ass. It will bite your whole ass off, actually, like 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 Jaws, you know, <laughs> like a big ass shark right there. Okay, well, next question for those people that are again have traction now that uh, that are pretty much operational, but yeah. I've seen also good good or high potential startups get bogged down because their financials are wrong. What are the common mistakes you usually see there? Um. Taxation, mm. yeah. Make sure you get your taxes right. Um, like the revenue recognition model is is sometimes complex in tech companies. Um, you know, it's not just uh, I don't know, like a common common mistake. Um, you mm. sell a, a one year subscription model and you get paid up front, right? Uh, entrepreneurs would like to record the entire income on the month oh. they get paid. Right, because that that looks good. That looks like uh, I yeah. made a killing in in December. But no, you're gonna your cost is going to spread advances. over twelve months. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that you know the their their accounting standards that regulate those kind of transactions. Right. And um, so this kind of um, these are the, the the kind of common things that even mature businesses we even gone past through seed round or even sometimes Series A still mm-hmm. have those things in their books. Right. Um, and then, like, yeah, taxation. Like, don't mm. don't underestimate your tax obligations. Um, yeah. That can get expensive and that can get messy. Regardless um, of which country you are. 
it's regardless um, of which country you are absolutely um and it's 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 particularly difficult here i mean if you you know like to give you a different uh, uh different interpretation your tech startup in singapore your tax obligations is once a year or or every quarter if you if you exceed a certain amount of income mm-hmm. here you will have multiple filings on the on a monthly basis quarterly yeah. basis yearly basis I read and, those you, <laughs> <not fun. laughs> and, uh, and there are things that people don't necessarily know like if you if you don't fi- if, even if you have no income you still need to file your vat return um, and oh. if you don't file a vat return for a month with no income you still get a small penalty but those accumulate and they kind of um they can be a headache to clean up later on so imagine uh, you're not already making an income and you have to yeah. pay vat so you have well, to you don't sure. have to pay that. You you have to file that, even if it's right. zero. You need to file your VAT return. Correct. The government needs to know that you're also broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That like maybe is the reason. Else. I'm not sure. But yeah, <laughs> and it's like ah, he's broke too. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So, Mikael, uh, last last few questions here. Yeah. If you were again hypothetically, if you were aside from the HR uh, uh, thing. Would would you change something differently? Hindsight twenty twenty being twenty twenty uh, yeah. over your entrepreneurial journey, and what would that be? Um, yeah, so I did talk about the HR. Um, one one thing um, I've been a lone wolf on this um, mm. from the start. Right, I started this in my own. We 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 have a fantastic management team, but I was kind of I didn't have a co founder. Mm. Uh, and if I have to start a venture um, down the line after Cloud CFO. I would probably try to find like uh, someone who would be able to uh, handle my stubbornness, and <laughs> and I'm not necessarily uh, easy to, to work with all the time. Um, and I think that that will help. I hear the stories of like co-founders and how one, you know, you're here to help one another. When I was, when one is down, the yeah. other is usually you know there to support it. Mm. Um, that probably makes the grind a little less difficult at times. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Um, I was a lone wolf for t- my past two startups. Yeah. And it's only now that I have people to actually, you know, temper me down. Yeah. Talk how, some sense. How is that into difference? Me. Yeah. Dude, amazing. Amazing. Um, because now, because we are our own worst enemy sometimes, because out of yep. impulse, like, oh my God, let's do this. And then yeah. bounce it off of someone who's at the same level of you. Because even if you have your trusted employees, they're still yep. your employees. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. Yep. Right? Yep. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. Unless it's a oh. co-founder, again, it's like, Ron, you're a fucking idiot. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Right? Yeah. That slap in the face that sometimes mm-hmm. we need. It's... Um, and I, you know, I, I do try to kind of get our management team involved and like we have things like uh, in meetings sometimes where I just have a ball and I just throw it at someone and regardless of your opinion, you have to state your, you know, your opinion, right. you agree, disagree, why. And mm-hmm. trying to engage people to kind of challenge the status quo, right? That's something I do a lot for myself and I do a lot for the mm-hmm. business. But it would be great to have kind of uh, that check and balance at the time because you, you do get convinced of your own illusions. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, lucky, I mean, that's exactly what that led me to the HR mistake, right? It's like, nah, I got this. Like, you know, we, we can spend on other things. I spent on tech and spend on right. like getting like more accounting staff and more senior mm-hmm. accounting staff. But yeah, I was buying my own story here. And, and right. no, someone should have told me, dude, spend on a good HR. Um, you know, you're, there's maybe a cultural gap that you're not getting in those interviews right. that, that you kind of need to understand. And like you're, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, so that's that's the thing that I would probably would do different. Try to find a, a co-founder. All right. Now, what's next now for Cloud CFO? And invite people over uh, to try out because again, <laughs> if you if you're ready now, if you if you want your own Saint Mike, here you go. Yeah. He's in the cloud <laughs> and he can service you all. <laughs> I have my own Saint Mike. This is your other Saint Mike. There you go. What's next, Saint Mike? Um, so what's next for us is obviously we, I mean, you know, 2020 was, was almost a write-off for everyone, right? It's, it's a year we kind of want to get behind us in, in yep. many aspects. Um, we can't complain too much because our, we were digital, right? Everything we do is cloud-based. All the systems we use are cloud-based. We, we use uh, cloud storage, uh, cloud accounting tools, our, our own app is on the cloud. So we were able to adapt very quickly. Um, now, we are quite excited for the year to come because I do think businesses will have learned one thing is you have to jump on the digital train. Like you can't just like, you know, those Excel or, or papers, it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's not going to work anymore. And that 2020 was a proof of that. So we are working a lot on like being able to kind of position ourselves for that, for that digitalization. Um, and we, if I really kind of go down the line, um, our industry, right, uh, in general, like accounting or just the service industry, um, is is about to be revolutionized by technology even deeper. Like you yep. talk about AI, you talk about uh, character recognition. If, there's several studies that show that in the next 10, 20 years, those things are just going to be run by machines. Yep. And um, I don't see it as a threat. I see it like you know something very exciting. Uh, how can we leverage off the fact that the kind of nitty gritty like transactional aspect of what we currently do is going to be automated? And how do we still focus on the added value segment or value proposition to make our services uh, still work and even more efficiently for our customers? So, yeah, it's it's you know, we we do want to create an ecosystem of tech in this um, like service providers enabled by tech. That's what I often say, and and I think that ecosystem keeps going, right? You had, you had the guys of Taxumo recently on, on the show and that was great. Um, so many companies or entrepreneurs are starting like, I don't know, online POS systems for restaurants, online inventory management system. And we're super excited to see that grow because that just, if you stitch them all up, that just creates huge value proposition for SMEs and startups. And that's what we're very excited to be a part of as, as this gets even, this accelerates on, on, in the Philippines market. That is amazing. Again, thank you, Mikel, for such amazing hustle. But before I let you go, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to. And if you did, say some jargon. It's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And if you want to grow the show, uh, go to the Hustleshare community on Facebook and last message us on our Hustleshare chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbotph. Again, Mikel, thank you very much. Thanks for having me around. It was a great experience. Appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.